If you want to make good use of your time, you've got to know what's most important and then give it all you've got. That is a quote by Lee Iacocca. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 55. On Trina Talk, I've had the pleasure of speaking to people all around the world. I'm happy to speak with this week's guest because she is from Jerusalem. My guest this week is Hannah Mason, and the topic of this week's episode is vitality, wellness, and personal growth. Hannah guides others towards a life of vibrance, clarity, and joy through her personal growth, nutrition, and wellness practice. She was an educator for two decades. She has founded an educational institution and homeschooled her son. She works with individuals on their personal growth and wellness. Welcome, Hannah, to Trina Talk. Thank you. I'm sorry. Did I just butcher your name? No, no, not at all. Okay. I'm very sensitive about getting people's names correct, but you got it good. I am so glad you're here with me today because I haven't had anyone from your region to be with me. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm international, but now I'm really feel international. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners um, a little bit about your story? So I was originally born in Bogota, Colombia in South America. And um, when I was five years old, I went through a bit of a traumatic experience. My sisters and I were threatened to be kidnapped and we fled the country and moved to Miami, which is kind of like a suburb of Latin America. So it wasn't such a big uh, move because <laughs> Spanglish became my most comfortable language. So to this day, Spanglish is my most comfortable language. And um, after just, you know, growing up and going to university in the States, I um, moved to Israel, where I've been living now for 16, 17 years. And um, my husband and I dated there and got married. And we have a boy, he's 14 years old. And we homeschooled him for a number of years. And uh, not anymore. Um, And through this whole process, I've gone through a major spiritual journey, really trying to connect to my Jewish roots, which was something that my family wasn't so connected to. And also just trying to work on my own personal growth journey and deal with uh, pieces of anxiety and depression that I had dealt with and um, trying to move past that. So I've just gathered an insane amount of tools that really help people to shift and to move forward, to set goals and to experience incredible physical health and mental health and vitality. And so I call myself a vitality coach. Interesting. So how exactly do you, do you go about your coaching? And, um, well, let me back up a bit. 
with you being um, born and raised in Colombia, and then you moved to Jerusalem. Now you say you did have Hebrew roots in your family. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm Jewish. Okay. My grandparents are Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm just, just trying to educate myself because when I think of, because I know some people from Colombia and they're, you know, not Jewish. And so I'm just trying to make sure, because of course, every, every background is everywhere. So I was just trying to uh, get, you know, the, the education for myself. The Um, Jewish community in Colombia is quite small. Okay. You know, so. Okay. Okay. So exactly. And I wouldn't have never guessed that there was a Jewish community in Colombia. So just about every country has one. It's pretty crazy. You know, like in the Bible, it says that we're going to be scattered to the four corners of the earth and it's really manifested itself to be true. Wow. Yeah. So you have just educated me on something that I didn't know. So now I, I feel I've learned something very, um, very enlightening today. So you are a, call yourself a vitality coach. Yes. Go into that as far as what you do, how you help people and just the whole, the whole gamut. So, um, so I've really gone through a process of learning a lot about what brings people energy and vitality in their bodies and what helps people get to a place of experiencing a lot of physical health and energy. Um, And I just throw myself into learning about nutrition and lifestyle choices and things like that. So I will take with every person who I work with, I'll take a look at their nutritional profile. You know, what, what does their vitamin mineral situation look like? What um, behaviors are they engaging in? Are they engaging in something like meditation or prayer or some sort of calming practice? Are they getting exercise all the time? And um, many people come to me because they've got mental health issues. So it doesn't have to be as extreme as something like depression or or anxiety. It could just be like, they're just really not clear on what they want their goals to be and things like that. But I always look to have a basic level of physical health because it makes it really difficult for people to make good decisions and to have clarity of mind when their bodies are feeling really sluggish and they're not getting the nutrients that they need. Mm. So that's always like something really core for me, whether someone's dealing with physical health or mental health issues, it's just so central. Um, And then I look at a person's mental picture. So if someone's dealing with a physical health issue, like say diabetes, which is what I made my video series on this week. um, So they're dealing with physical things and they need to go on a total shift in lifestyle in order to cure themselves of diabetes, which is something people don't even know you can do, but it's a hundred percent curable. So in order to cure themselves of diabetes, they can make, you know, get engaged in a program of lifestyle shifts. But for a lot of people, there's a whole bunch of mental blocks that they have that keep them from being able to follow through on such a program. So for me, it's like, okay, let's take a look at your mental picture. What beliefs do you have about yourself and about life and about your body and about what you deserve and about food? And when we, you know, sort of clean house on all of that stuff, on the things that are blocking you from really being able to go after taking care of yourself. So then you're just so much more motivated because you're not mentally blocking yourself. And then all you have to do is just follow a protocol, but you're so much more motivated to do it. So to me, the mind and body are just so interconnected. And I look at both of those pieces, no matter what people are coming to me for. Wow. You know, and I agree with you as far as the mind and the body being connected, because I know with myself, if I stop working out or if I'm eating poorly, 
I just, yeah, I, I don't feel at my best. And that does have an effect on my mindset and my mental state and how I operate. And there, there is something to be said about that connection. And I don't think that people think that that's connected, but it, it really is. It's very strongly connected. So, you know, if I'm dealing with a client with anxiety, which I've had a number of times, so if they're not exercising, they're pumping so much adrenaline into their system because they're stuck in an anxiety loop, but that adrenaline needs a place to go. So just exercising alone is going to help chill them out. Besides the fact that exercising produces a whole bunch of endorphins, which just make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, how did you get on this path? Were you always interested in this line of work? Um, What just made you decide, okay, this is what I want to do. Was it a passion of yours? How did you discover it? So I'm kind of a kooky person. I'm kind of a Renaissance person, happen to have a lot of passions in many different areas. Um, When I went into university, I um, wanted to become an engineer. And so I studied engineering. And then I directed my first show, my first theatrical show. And I loved it. So I ended up studying theater and engineering. And I came out of college and lived in Australia for a year and worked as a management consultant, which has nothing to do with engineering or theater, but I loved it. And, um, and since then, I've really been passionate in places that have a lot to do with my, my family. So education is a real passion of mine, partly because I love to learn and we have kind of a geeky home. We read a lot. We like to inquire about things. And partly because I really wanted my son to have a positive educational experience because I've had really awesome educational experiences and some challenging ones. Um, and then health was a big, was, was just a big piece because I faced some health challenges myself and I wanted to figure out how to, how to deal with my health challenges. And I also just became my family doctor. So whenever anyone in my family gets sick right away, I, I put myself into researching everything from like herbs to homeopathy to aromatherapy to just nutrition and what we can do to get healthier. Mm. So for me, it's, I guess, like the places that are just deep and core close to my family or what have motivated me to learn all of this stuff. And the places of pain in my life have pushed me to do a lot of growing. And eventually people just have been coming to me for mentorship and for advice. And we have a very open home and we have a lot of students who come through our home and um, they're always just coming to me for advice and mentorship. And so I decided to make that something a little more professional, especially with my son being so much older now. Mm. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. Um, So you decided to get on, on the wellness side because that was a passion. And tell me what are some of the things, so like you brought up diabetes and I have, you know, my family is known to have diabetes and it's one of those things where I said, you know what, I refuse to be part of that number. So I do work out and I'm very conscious of what I eat. What are you finding? Cause you said that it's something that's reversible. What do yeah. you find that you do with your clients that help reverse ailments specifically, like just give me diabetes for an example. So with something like diabetes, the the number one thing is people finding out that it's reversible. Mm -hmm. 
So most people go to their doctors and their doctors prescribe them medication. And doctors do that for a number of reasons. One is their education has told them that medication is the answer to everything. Um, And the other is that we think that our physicians know everything about health, but the reality is that they don't. Their, Their education includes, depending on the medical school, one to four hours of nutrition. So their guess that what they communicate about nutrition is really just like a layman's knowledge of nutrition, and they know very little. And I think that it's even more complicated than that, because when someone is in medical school, they're so intense in their studies that they don't actually get a chance to take care of their bodies. They sleep poorly, they eat poorly, they eat quick fast food, and then they go into residency and internship, and they also sleep poorly, (laughs) eat poorly, fast food, just, you know, Mm -hmm. the food that hospitals serve is really unhealthy food. (laughs) So it's just not even in their consciousness at all, the lifestyle stuff. Um, So for someone just to hear, for a client to hear, losing weight is easy, you know, uh, treating heart disease, heart disease is perfectly reversible. Diabetes is perfectly reversible. This is like, so novel. So I give them an education, not by just saying that statement, but by helping them understand what are these diseases, how do they work, and and how do you prevent them and cure them. And at the core of that is diet. So there are so many different lifestyle pieces like exercise and, you know, reducing stress that are huge, but nothing has as big an impact on health outcomes as diet. That's what the data consistently shows. And people just don't know. People don't know what a healthy diet actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what does your client base look like? Are you, do you deal with children? Do you deal with people of a certain age? Or is it whoever needs you? So it's definitely whoever needs me. And it's definitely not children. Okay. <laughs> okay. I absolutely love children in my personal life, but... My practice is very much focused on people who are um, taking full ownership for their thinking processes, for their lives, for their health. And so children really just don't fit into that. Okay. Children are really much more the kind of at the mercy of the choice that their parents make for their lives. So they they don't tend to kind of fit that bill. Mm -hmm. Although I kind of am a little bit of like a family doctor in my neighborhood. You know, people (laughs) will come to me and be like, my kid has a cold. What do I do? You know, that kind of thing. But but as far as actually working one-on-one with a client, my core clients um, tend to be women Mm -hmm. uh, in their 20s and 30s. I get really excited about helping people who are in a stage of transition and really trying to gain clarity about who they want to be and how they want to manifest their lives. Mm. And then also um, both men and women in their 50s and 60s who are really starting to um, face the consequences of their life choices and, and are starting to deal with you know, debilitating diseases and want to make a shift in their lives. Mm. Okay. Now, what other aspects of your coaching besides the wellness do you get into? Um, so for me, the thing that got me into, into coaching the most is getting people to learn about their minds and how their minds work and helping people start paying attention to their thinking and to notice that their thinking is something that's independent of them. So we have a tendency to think that 
um, every thought that comes into our minds is ours and that we created it and that, and we identify with it. And we think that like, it means something about us, but a lot of times thoughts, they just come and they go. Um, and the ones that we identify with have an amazing, amazing potential to teach us so much about, uh, places where we have to grow and unpacking all of that is huge. And what I've noticed, I actually just said this to my husband, what I've noticed of recent, I've been doing more than anything else with my clients, is helping them slow down and become observers of their own lives and of their own thinking processes. Because as we slow down, first of all, Eckhart Tolle says that when we slow down, we get a lot more connected to the present. Mm. Um, When I heard him say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe that's part of why it works so great with my clients. But the other thing slowing down does is they're able to watch like how they got from thought A to belief B to belief C to incredible pain and suffering D, you know, Mm. like slowing that down. And they're also able to see how their logic sometimes is incredibly illogical and causes a lot of suffering in their lives. Mm. Wow. That's, that, that sounds really good. Now, once you start working with a person and let's say their mindset, how long does it take for you to go through whatever your steps are for you to really start seeing progress on average? Is it because I'm pretty sure you may get some clients that come to you but may not be receptive to what you're saying or even implementing what you're saying because it, it you know, for it to work, you actually have to put something in action yourself. Yeah. So the vast majority of my clients start experiencing shifts within the first, I don't know, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what I look for is aha moments because as soon as people start having aha moments and they, they're, they're, they're thinking in the way they experience their minds shifts. Mm. Um, but to really like experience more long-term, long-lasting change, what I see is that is that working together for three months is like a solid amount of time where we can really do serious work and really kind of get them on the launching pad to really taking ownership. And ideally what I do in that time is teach people a whole bunch of tools that they can add to their tool belt so that they don't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to make myself as extinct as possible as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a huge for me, like a healing and a fixing of the therapeutic experience I had growing up. So when I was a teenager and in college, I spent many an hour in therapy and experienced very little shifting and Mm -hmm. a lot of suffering. Like Mm -hmm. I'd walk into a therapeutic practice and after an hour, I felt worse than I felt walking in. And I didn't feel like things were moving forward. And I think what I was really looking for were actual tools that I could use to feel happier and to think more clearly and to gain understanding. And I didn't have any tools. Mm. So, so for me, that's the biggest thing is that I a hundred percent believe that the power rests in the hands of my clients and that it just so happens I have some tools that they could add to their tool belt. And once they know those tools, then like we're a hundred percent on equal footing. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting for me. So if you don't mind, just give us a couple of your tools that you always go through with your clients. 
So one tool I really like is a tool called the work of Byron Katie. Um, and it's a process of inquiry. And that tool very strongly influences the basis for a lot of the writing that I did in a book that I published a few months ago called Hold That Thought, which uh, is available on my website and on Amazon and all the good stuff. So that tool, I'll give you a perfect example. Today, I had a client who we, uh, she happens to be in Israel. So we worked over the phone, which actually most of my clients I work with on Skype or over the phone. And she um, is struggling because she's dating guys. She's just like in that, she's young, she's, you know, she's a young woman, but she's old enough that she's starting to date. And she noticed that as soon as she starts liking a guy, a tremendous amount of fear comes up for her. And, um, she's done work with me enough that right away she was able to very quickly take notes on her fear and give voice to it and recognize that she's holding a bunch of thoughts and beliefs that aren't serving her. And she can usually do the work on it herself, but she felt a little too entrenched in this one. So she wanted some outside assistance and uh, we hadn't worked together in like a year. So we came back to work together on this piece. And one of the beliefs that she had was that she was scared that a guy was going to use her. And so the process of inquiry is really asking questions on a thought. The first of which is, is it true that a guy's going to use you? Can you absolutely know that? And then really helping her, like she very quickly can go through that process because she's had a lot of experience of recognizing what happens inside of her body when she believes that. And because she's had so much experience, she knows that when her physiology goes into an adrenal state, goes into fight or flight, which means when her body shuts down or she gets nervous or she experiences negative emotions or she closes in, she knows she's believing something that's not true, which is why she wrote to me in the first place. But she still couldn't get herself out of it because it was so difficult for her to latch on to seeing those statements in a different way. So I said, I asked her to describe what it looks like if a guy is using her. So she, you know, I don't want to get graphic. So, you know, but she imagined herself being intimate, physically intimate with a guy and him being physically on top of her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I said, and is he raping you? And she said, no. And I said, so how is he using you? And she said, well, he's making me do stuff that I don't want to do. And, and I said to her, and, and what are you afraid would happen if you said no? She's like, well, then he won't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so then I said to her, I was like, I want you to imagine you walk into a store to buy a chocolate bar and you give the, the guy in the store, in the convenience store, five bucks and he'd rather the five bucks than the chocolate bar. So he gives you the chocolate bar and you'd rather the chocolate bar than the five bucks. So you give him the five bucks and you have a perfect exchange. So that's what you're doing with guys. You want approval. So you come in and you give them something you don't want to give in exchange for approval. Hmm. And I said, and she's like, oh my gosh. And she had one of those aha moments, which is so fun. And she's like, wait a second. So that means I'm using him. And I said, yes. (laughs) So to, to be able to shift an entire perspective on a situation and, and help her to see that not all guys are interested in sex and it's not the only thing that guys are thinking about. And, um, and that, and that she can't, it's not possible for someone to use you or for someone to manipulate you or for someone to take advantage of you with you without you volunteering in the exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 
moments like that, it's just so exciting for me to be, to help facilitate being a part of someone's aha moment. Cause it's really, she's the one who has to wake up at the end of the day. Wow. Wow. Now you mentioned your book. Tell me about that book. I don't know. Do you have multiple books? So, yes. So I have two books right now and we're working on a third, which God willing will be published in the fall. So I have a book called Hold That Thought. And that book takes people step by step through a process of inquiry. So inquiry is really just questioning your thinking, both the validity of the thinking, also what your thoughts, how they affect you and how they affect your behavior. And then gives you opportunities to explore different ways of thinking so that you can become a happier, more compassionate, kinder human being. Um, And so the book is a really fun read. It's short. It's got tons of dialogues and every tool that I teach, 22 different tools. Each tool comes with a cartoon that just makes it really fun to read and um, is elucidated through a dialogue that I've had with a client. Hmm. So it allows you to see the tool in action. And my experience is that dialogues are just really fun to read. So it's not a lot of like expository how-to type of writing. It's really going through it. Mm-hmm. And then we have like a whole bunch of worksheets that I created that are on my website that allow people to go deeper and do their own work using the tools. Um, And I've gotten really positive feedback on that. And then the other book that I wrote, I wrote together with my husband, David, um, or or maybe he wrote it together with me is probably more (laughs) accurate. It's called the size of your dreams. And it's a personal growth novel that takes place. So we're really into teaching through story. So this book takes place in an American high school classroom. And uh, there are these four kids who are high school seniors and they get this new teacher who's supposed to be teaching the math, but there's like, oh, excuse that. Hold on one second. And uh, he basically takes advantage of the classroom space to teach them personal growth tools. So the tools that we teach in the book You get to see them in action through the lives of these four kids whose lives absolutely transform. And they go through some like really difficult stuff, real big highs, real lows. There's a lot of humor in the book. Um, And the tools revolve around goal setting and self-esteem. And people get really excited by it. It's just so much fun to see tools in action as opposed to having to read a dry how-to book. Yes, I agree. I I agree. And now you said you're working on the third one. Do you want to um, talk about what that's going to be about? Sure. Yeah. So that book is called The Cash Machine. And it's a book teaching the principles of financial independence. Hmm. So for your audience, those those in your audience who don't know, financial independence is that place where, um, where your passive income exceeds your cost of living. So passive income is money that you make through investments. It's money that you make without you having to do anything. Whereas your active income is the, you know, when you have a job and you work and they pay you, so that's your active income. So being able to reach a place of financial independence gives people a tremendous amount of financial freedom. Um, And there's all sorts of amazing financial vehicles and learning about taxes and learning about how to manage your money, how to use it effectively healthy perspectives on money, but all of that stuff for a lot of readers can be boring. So again, we put it into a story. 
And at the core is a love story between uh, the main character, whose name is Amber, and her college crush boyfriend. Um, and uh, he's decided to take this really courageous path into extreme financial independence. And um, they don't see each other again until years later. And uh, he, she ends up learning about financial independence through him and through other characters that she meets who are experts on different financial topics. My favorite of whom is a guy named Vinny, who's, you know, a greased up Italian guy who has it in for the U.S. government because her, his mom got audited when he was a kid and she lost everything. And so he refuses to give the U.S. government a penny. So he's become this big tax expert. But he's this, like, obnoxious Italian guy. So it's just so fun to hear about taxes coming out of his mouth. <laughs> so tell me, because you, you said each one of your books have a story associated with it. What made you guys decide to write like that? Books that were like that that really inspired us. And there's very few books that fit that rubric, mm -hmm. um, one of which is The Alchemist. Another book is The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. There's also a book called The Goal, which I read in engineering school. It's a very, very famous business book that teaches people how to optimize systems, basically how to make, um, how to make a business function effectively. Um, and it's a great story. And my son read the work when he was like eight, nine, mm. something like that. And he really liked it, even though it was like this business book. And so that really spoke to us, this idea of thinking through story. Mm. My husband in particular, he's the one who kind of got us started and he starts the books and then he brings me into the process. And then we do a lot of hatching out. And my son's also very passionate about literature. So when the three of us are in the car or when we go hiking, it's usually when we're hiking, we talk out lines and storylines and characters and character development. And that's where most of our story stuff comes from is time that we spend together as a family. Wow. That's amazing. Now, are you guys going to have a book maybe in the future that kind of centered around your story? So not my personal story, but we're hoping to produce a book. I'm hoping to work on it this year. That's my goal called Perish the Thought. That's like the fictional companion to hold that thought mm -hmm. that goes through a woman who's in her 30s. She's in her second marriage, has teenagers. Um, and there's like nothing in her life is working out. She doesn't like her job. Her marriage is struggling. She's got a horrible relationship with her kids. And one day she goes to a food truck and meets a Colombian woman named Rosita. And Rosita runs this food truck. And uh, more than that, she dispenses out a tremendous amount of wisdom. And she becomes kind of like the guru in the book. And so this woman starts like applying all these different tools on her thinking. And she totally shifts her perspective on her life and takes more ownership and responsibility for herself and her behavior and her relationships. And all of that shifts through the lessons that she learns. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you guys are doing some really awesome work. I, I'm really enjoying this conversation and, and what you're saying you're doing because I, I just think we need more positivity in the world. And 
that's I mean, that's what the show is all about. And anytime I can find someone who's doing that and it's in what I like specifically about you is you're doing it from the inside out. So you're taking your clients and you're really delving into them instead of just saying, hey, you know, go out and do one, two, three, four, five. You're really getting deep inside of them and their mindset and their health. Yeah, it's exciting and meaningful for me. Wow, great. Well, we're going to move on to the question portion of the show. So are you ready? Yep, I'm here. Okay. So question one, who or what motivates you? Who? Um, the young people in my life motivate me deeply. Um, so my son, um, with whom I'm, you know, have a typical parenting relationship, i.e. he was created to push all of my buttons so that I could grow. (laughs) So that (laughs) motivates me a lot. And, uh, and, and all of the young people in our lives, like, it's just so cool to see students who come to us for mentorship and then we see them grow and eventually get married and have families of their own and go through their challenges and still, you know, look to us for mentorship. That's really, really inspiring to me. It's like, I get to be a parent to all of these young people. Also, there's a lot of expats who live in Jerusalem for whom we're a second family. Hmm. What demotivates you? Um, so something I'm working on, um, in a deep way, in overcoming is uh, the fact that I uh, face the challenge of migraines that happen pretty frequently Mm. and they've been pretty demotivating. And it's something I'm like really shifting out of is just ignoring them and just living on with my life and um, not factoring them into the decisions that I make. Okay. But they can be pretty demotivating. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Ooh. When, when I was in high school, there was a leadership class and there was a teacher who was just not a good person. <laughs> it's the nicest way I could say it. There are expletives that really want to be expressed, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And um, I remember her saying to me that I wasn't a leader. Hmm. And Um, I'm at the core of who I am as a human being, very much a leader. And it, it was very upsetting for me to hear. And I think it's like motivated me to be on the one hand, an even bigger leader. And on the other hand, to recognize that a lot of times grownups don't know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and to to reference myself and my inner voice for what's true. Mm. What is your fear? Um, my biggest fear is having gotten to the end of my life, not having done, I guess my, done like whatever it is that God's plan is for me, um, and letting fear get in my way. Mm. So fear is my biggest fear. Okay. Is there a time when you wished you had done something that you didn't? Yes. 
I have to pick one. <laughs> yes. uh, um, pretty much every single time it had to do with me sticking up for myself. Mm. So I wish that I stuck up for myself or set boundaries around myself or understood myself well enough to, to speak my truth and say what I needed. Mm. That was good. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Hmm. Yeah, um, I was in a business venture and I hired a friend of mine and I didn't have a good feeling about it the entire time. And so rather than you know, rather than either not hire her or fire her early, I fired her very late in the game. Mm. It ruined our friendship. And that was really, I still regret that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. What is your definition of success? Living out my life's mission. So it's like, doing what I'm meant to do in the world. So for me, that's teaching, mentoring, facilitating other people's growth, um, learning and growing. So I'm doing that. I feel successful. Okay. How do you recharge? Yoga and meditation. Okay. So it doesn't always happen, but usually every morning I wake up, uh, before the rest of my household wakes up and immediately I don't turn on my phone. Immediately what I do is just put on a timer and sit down for half an hour. Um, and that's been, that's been a practice I only took on a few months ago and it's been huge to just start my day with quiet. And then I go into a yoga practice that usually takes me about an hour and I pray. So I kind of have like a two hour morning ritual that is my reset and my reconnection. And the, the biggest part of that is um, I have certain core statements that I really want to truths that I want to enhance about myself. And I repeat those over and over again, also during, during my prayer time. And I really connect to those things. And it's beautiful for me. Hmm. What are you awesome at? I am awesome at telling it like it is. <laughs> Cutting to the chase, no BS. Um, I like I see things. I'm really able to see things, and I'm able to see what people what people are really experiencing behind the words that they say. Mm. So when someone's struggling, they think they're struggling because of why, but I can see the X that's like behind it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? Lots of grandchildren. I was blessed with one really amazing kid, and my plan was to have more, but that's that was what I was blessed with. So I'd like to have a lot of grandchildren. That's my that would be my best legacy. Okay. Well, we're done with the questions. So give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Um two things. You are not your thoughts. 
and your mind and your body are here to serve you and not the other way around. And yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Hana, 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 Hana. Yeah. Where can the listeners connect with you? So people can find me on Facebook at Hana Mason. That's C H A N A M A S O N or at my website, hanamason.com, E-H-A-N-A-M-A-S-O-N.com. Okay. Well, you know what? I thank you for taking time out of your day. This has been a really, really good interview. I, I just, I've learned a lot myself and it was my pleasure to connect with you. My pleasure also. Thank you so much. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.